morning. Um, Today we are in John 14, starting in verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, we will take the long road around back to John 14. We've got a long journey to get there. Before we jump in the word, let me say a few things. Um, I, uh, we believe in God, Amen. and we believe the God that we serve and love hears the prayers of his people. And I just want to get a moment to say it is great having the Sparkmans here today. Mrs. Sparkman, on Good Friday of this year, uh, we almost lost her, and we, a lot of us here, begged God. And God gave her her life, and for this we are grateful. Miss Tammy, it's great to see you. Um, when I was a young man, I went to the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois. That's where I went to college. And um, when I was at college, a bunch of freshmen wanted to go to the Muslim college that was like Moody's, it was like a Muslim Moody. It was where Muslim kids studied the Quran. So we wanted to go there and debate the Quran kids with the Bible. That was the big plan. So a bunch of my friends went out there. And I'm like, man, that sounds crazy. I ain't doing it. So I just waited for them to come back. They come back real soon. Like an hour later, I'm like, how'd it go? Did we win? They're like, no, nah, man, we didn't win. <laughs> I'm like, what happened? So I'm like, was it like back and forth? And then they, they beat us in the end. He goes, no, nah, man, their first, their first hit knocked us out. I'm like, what are you talking about? So they go, these Christians go there. And the Muslim kids were like, listen, we love Jesus. We, we, we read your Bible. We know what your Bible says about Jesus. He's, he's cool. He's great. But you guys call him God, and Jesus never claimed to be God. And the, the Christian kids from my college go, did Jesus claim to be God? They're like, I don't know. And so they, they're like, we're going to go home. We'll come back. And they laughed because they didn't know what to say. They had a retreat because those guys were like, check. And they were like, hold on. And they retreated. Just this week, no, like just this week, I was preaching at a homeless shelter here in the city. And afterwards, a guy came up to me. He goes, Pastor, you did something wrong in your prayer. I'm like, what did I do wrong? He said, well, you prayed to Jesus. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, you can only pray to God, and God's not Jesus. So you can't pray to him. So I've been running into confusion about this, this idea of who Jesus is. Is he a great prophet? Did he claim to be God? What is up with Jesus? And we're going to do a series over the ne- for the rest of the summer called God Is. 
What do we believe about God? What do we think about him? What does the Bible reveal about God? Because our opinions, in the end, are not the authority. Everyone has opinions. The scriptures give us a word that is true, and we go there to find out who God is. We start off very quickly here. The Bible says clearly, unequivocally, over and over again, the Bible says there is one God. In Isaiah, we see the Lord saying, I am the Lord, there is no other. In Deuteronomy 6.4, we find this. Deuteronomy 6.4 says this. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God, Yahweh is one. King James says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. This famous verse is called the Shema. And Jewish kids grow up learning this prayer, and they pray it every night. It's it's, it's, it's a declaration, we believe there's one God, and we serve him only. It's why, way later in the future, when this Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, builds this great statue and demands all people bow to it, three Hebrew Jewish boys, they say, we can't bow to that statue because we bow to our one God only. And those kids, those guys are thrown in the fiery furnace, right? Like, the Jews believe in one God, and we as Christians also believe in one God. So a lot of, a lot of um, half the world believes there's one God. Now, the Eastern religions believe in many gods, and the old pagan religions, like the Romans, the Greeks, they believed in a pantheon of gods. They had, like, there was, like, Zeus, Zeus had a bunch of half kids, and it was all nuts, okay? But we... As Christians, we believe one God. What's crazy is there was a moment in like 200 AD, so way long time ago when Rome ruled the world, where the Roman emperors wanted to restore the greatness of the pagan temples. So they made a law saying everyone in Rome must come to the imperial temple and pour one out for the emperor. Um, The imperial temple was, in Rome, you had to worship the emperor as king, as, as God. So even though there's Zeus and Apollo and all those guys, you also had to praise the emperor as king. Not as a man, as a god. So there's these imperial palaces. And there was a law that you had to go there, take a glass of wine, and pour the wine on the altar. You ever heard about pouring one out? Like, you know, like in the city, for your homies, pour one out? That comes from Rome. You go to the imperial palace, pour one out for the emperor, and that's what you did. Well, the Christians wouldn't do it. Because Christians are like, I'm not going to worship the emperor's God because I believe there's one God and I'm not going to dishonor him. And that's, that's the moment in history when the Roman emperors to the Christians of the lions. You ever heard about that? The Colosseum, Christians being killed for sport. That's because they broke this law. They would not worship the gods of Rome because Christians are people who believe in one God. We All these years later, we believe there's a God. And listen, we do a lot of good work in our city. We say serve Flint. We don't. We serve the city of Flint, and we do it for free. When people come to get food in our pantry, we are not trying to get nothing from anybody. We want to bless our neighborhood. When we do cookouts back behind the church, we invite the whole neighborhood to come out. We don't take an offer. We do nothing. We want to bless the neighborhood. When we do our vacation Bible school, but all the kids in the neighborhood come out, 
We're not asking for a dollar from nobody. We're going to bless the kids that come. We do it for a few reasons. One, we believe every person in this city is made in the image of God. Straight up. And is worthy of being loved. It's why we as a church, we have some of our friends from Reaching the Forgotten. We go to the jails. Because even those people that are in jail, made in the image of God, deserving of dignity and respect. We go to the halfway houses because we believe that even those stuck in the vice of addiction made the image of God. We look at the homeless because even someone who's homeless is made in the image of God. We care for people because people, because God cares for people, okay? That's why we do it. But also, as we love all these people, it is our prayer that they would meet the God that we know. Because we know deep down that knowing the God of heaven is ultimately the one thing that will bring the thing we're all looking for. Knowing this God, trusting this God, following God will bring the peace we all desperately long for. As we love people, we hope they will hear the message and come. But even if they don't, we're still going to love them. Straight up. Even if they don't, we're still going to love them. We believe in one God. The Bible says clearly there is one God. But then it gets confusing. Back in like 600 A.D., a long time ago, because it's like 20, 2000, what year is it? 23? Yeah. <laughs> so in, it's, I don't know, I don't know. So we're, we're, we're living here now. Back in 600, okay, the, the, the prophet Muhammad went to Rome, saw the Roman Catholic Church, came back and said, those Christians are nuts. They worship three gods. They worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Mother. Now, it's kind of funny because he missed the Holy Spirit. But he, he went to the churches, and there were so many Mary statues, he goes, must be the third one. You know, Mary must be the lady. <laughs> and Muhammad thought the Christians worshiped three gods. But what's weird is, in the Bible, three persons are called God. In the Bible, three persons are called God. Okay? So first... The Father is called God, straight up. We go to Matthew 6. Jesus often called God Father. It's his favorite name for God. Now, no one, like, so God was known as the Father of Israel, but no one called them their personal Father, but Jesus did all the time. Jesus was like, man, God is my dad. And he prayed that way. People didn't like it, but they knew he was talking about God. So in Matthew 6, during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says in verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Then back to, to verse 30. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, he says the Father cares for the birds, it's God doing it. He calls the Father God. The Father is called God throughout the Bible. So the Father is God, and everyone knew it. The next one's a little harder. Those Muslims said, Jesus never claimed to be God. Were they right? Does Jesus ever claim to be more than a healer, more than a teacher? And the answer, if you read it, it's very much yes. Jesus says things. There's one time they ask him, are you the Messiah? And his answer is, 
I am. He says, are you God? He goes, Yahweh, baby. Like, I'm him. And the high priest rips his robe and says, you heard him. He's a blasphemer. Kill this guy. Jesus claimed to be more than just a teacher or a man. He claimed to be divine. John, one of his apostles, says in John 1 verse 1, John says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now the Word, when it says the Word, it means Jesus. So in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Now, this sentence makes no sense, okay? So, so last Friday night, Friday night I went to Detroit and me and my kids went and saw this uh, YouTube guy called Dude Perfect. Okay, anyone know Dude Perfect? Anybody? Awesome. Yeah, baby. So me and my kids go. I stink it. I thought I bought great seats. We were in the nosebleeds. We were, at the, we were in the highest seat in Little Caesars Arena. I'm like, sorry, kids. That's all I had. Um, so we go to see Dude Perfect. If I said to you, so this, this sentence right here, in the beginning was Jesus, Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. That's like me saying, I was at Little Caesars Arena. Angie was at Little Caesars Arena. I am Angie. That makes no sense. You guys know. You know me. You know Angie. We're two different people. If we're both in the same place, we can't be the same person. Jesus says, he goes, man, Jesus is there in the beginning. He's hanging out with God. Jesus is God. And Christians are like, what does that mean? But listen, the main thing is, Jesus claimed to be God, his followers called him God, and they worshipped him as God. So the Father is called God in the Bible. Jesus is called God in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit is called God. I go to the book of Acts. Chapter 5, there's this moment where Peter is being a disciplinarian in the Bible. In Acts chapter 5, there's this moment where it says this. Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Who's he lying to? Holy Spirit. He's lying to the Holy Spirit. But then he says in verse 4, at the very end, you've not lied to men, but to God. He uses Holy Spirit and God interchangeably. The Holy Spirit is God. Well, this is weird now. We know there's one God. But the Bible calls three different people God. So what do you do with this? Now, throughout history, the church has swung and missed a lot. One of the ideas the church had, the early Christians, some people said, well, if God is one, then Jesus cannot be God. So they try to lessen Jesus to make the equation work. Like, they like, man, God is God, and Jesus is a really cool prophet. Doesn't work because Christ claims to be God. Some people said, back in the day, they said, you know what? Maybe there's one God, and he transforms whenever you need him to be there. So let's say, um, well, I need God to come to earth. I'll transform into Jesus. Oh, he's Jesus. And it's like, well, I need God to smoke a city. I'll transform into the Father. Or I need God to, to guide me in my life. I'll transform into the Holy Spirit. That was one idea, that God transforms 
he like almost wears different masks. You know what I'm saying? He's one person. He's like, I'm the father. That's one of the ideas. The problem with that, in Matthew, no, not Matthew, uh, at the baptism of Jesus, Jesus gets baptized by John, right? So Jesus is there. He is baptized, and the Father speaks from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then it says, the Spirit descends upon him. They're all three there. It can't be just a masked man, because they're all three in the same room. Well, some people said, well, maybe it's like Voltron, or... Um, Power Rangers, uh, or Captain Planet, I don't know, um, being this, so maybe, some people said, maybe God, or, or the Father, plus the Son, plus the Spirit, when, when their powers are combined, God, like, you know, like, like they touch their fists together, and it's like, and they're, you know, that doesn't play either. You know what I'm saying? They're, because they're not all like mini, you know, powerful things that high five become a super powerful megazord. That's not how it plays. But how do we figure this out? Like, how, what do we do with this? The Bible says there's one God, but the Bible says three people are called God. What do we do with this? And what we've learned is this. From the scriptures, we've learned this truth. God is one and three. God is one and three, and we call this the Trinity. God is one and three. I go back to John 14, what was read earlier. Listen to the way Jesus talks about him and the Father. Philip says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. Show us God. That will be enough for us. Jesus answers, have I been with you all so long? And have you not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak for myself, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. This language is crazy, isn't it? He's saying, I and my Father are one. Now, I've been married for 20 years, which is kind of a long time. Anyone got me beat? Anyone got 20 years beat? Oh, how many you got? You got, John, what do you got? What do you guys got? 27, <laughs> 10 minutes. Newlyweds, baby, the 27, 27 years. So 20 years is a long time. I've been married so long, my wife and I, can have a whole, we, we can communicate entire conversations with just a look. You're married so long, you'd be like, the kids will ask something, and I look at Angie, look at me, and we're like, doo -doo 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 -doo. we have an answer. You know, there, there, there's, there's, that time together has built connection, knowledge of one another. But even though I know her well and she knows me well, we are still two different people. You understand? Even though we've been married 20 years, sometimes. I don't know what she's thinking. And she don't know what I'm thinking. Some days, we can't find one another because we're two separate people trying to, trying to love one another together. It's hard. But Jesus and the Father are more than a married couple. He says, listen, 
We're not two people who live together for a long time. We are one person together. It's a great mystery. Then he says, listen, it's not just him and the Father. He goes on in verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another helper, another comforter, and he'll be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. He just goes, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. In this one passage, we see that the Father, the Spirit, and the Son are one. These three are one. So here's the math equation. It's one plus one plus one equals one. What a mystery. It's terrible math, but it's really good theology. God the Father is fully and completely God. God the Son is fully and completely God. God the Holy Spirit is fully and completely God, and we believe in one God. This is a hard teaching. Why does this matter for our lives? Let me break it down for us. We can worship the Father, Spirit, and Son. We can pray to the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. Sometimes in my life, I need, sometimes in my life, I'm worn down and weak. And I want someone strong and able to carry me through. My kids, my kids are pretty smart. And when my kids get hurt, my kids will go to mama. Because my, my, my wife, she's more motherly compassionate. She knows where the band-aids are. You know what I'm saying? They come to me, I'd be like, oh man, it's bleeding, yo. Like, I, I wouldn't know what to do. So the kids go to Angie when they get hurt. Well, the kids notice that Angie would come to me when she's having a hard time. So one day, one of my kids asked me, Dad, we go to mom when we're hurt, and she goes to you when she's hurt. Where do you go when you're hurt? Now, I'm tempted to say, you can't hurt steel, little girl. You're tempted to talk trash, you know. But I don't want to lie to the kids. I don't want to lie. So I, tell the, I told them to that, listen, I get hurt a lot. I get sad. I get discouraged. I, I get afraid. And when this happens to me, I can go to Angie. I can go to friends. But who I go to first in my moment of great hardship, I go to the Lord. I go to the Father. I go to the Father and say, Father, you're strong, you're mighty. I am not strong. I am not mighty. I feel weak and wounded and afraid. I need your strong arms to carry me through. When I was a little boy, I went to school here in Flint. I went to Whittier Middle School, right there in Crapo, right there. Those three years at Whittier were really hard. I was not a popular kid. I was a very unpopular kid. I got bullied incessantly. I was near the bottom of the totem pole. You know what I'm saying? My mom always told me as a kid, she said, whatever happens at school, you never let the kids see you bleed. She meant don't cry in front of the kids because they're mean. So I'd take my lickens at school, and I'd hold it all in. And I'd come home after a hard day. I'd come to my mama, and I'd, she, I'd, I'd lay on the couch, put my head in her lap, she would scratch my head, and I would just cry. I was a little kid, dude. When you're sixth grade, you're still a little boy, you know what I'm saying? As a little boy, that was the best, coming home and being in my mom's arms, just knowing I'm safe. 
Then you grow up, right? And you can't do that anymore. I can't just crawl into a ball and melt into pieces because I freak everybody out. It would. That's a big old dude to cry like that. Um, we got to be able to be tough and walk around and be strong. And so the thing is, for a long time, I didn't know what to do with all of that fear and that hurt. Well, now I know the Father is going to have to carry every one of us. I can literally lay my head on the Father's lap and be like, I am smoked, Lord. Carry me. We can pray to the Father. He's strong and he's able. When we are weak, he is strong. We pray to the Son. Listen, sometimes we just need to be understood. The Bible says we we do not have a high priest who's uncompassionate with our struggles. Jesus has been where we are. Jesus has needed his friends, and they've all fallen asleep on him. He's been there. Jesus has been exhausted. Jesus has got, Jesus, there's a story where Jesus hears his friend John the Baptist has been killed, and then Jesus goes off away from the crowd to mourn the loss. He knows what we're going through. He put skin on and walked around down here. Sometimes I just need to be understood, and I go to the sun. Jesus, I'm scared, and you know what this feels like. I just need to know that you see and you care. You can pray to the sun who sees, who cares, who's been there before. And you can pray to the Spirit. Here's the thing. The Father, think of the Father as this old man in the sky. I don't know why that we do. And the Son, we know he's in heaven with the Father. But we're down here. But thank the Lord, Jesus said, I'm going to give you another helper, another comforter, an advocate. I'm not walking around down here alone waiting for the day I get to go to God. No, Jesus sent his spirit to dwell within us. So when I'm walking through life and I don't know what to do, do I go left, do I go right? Do I date this person or not date this person? I have these big decisions. I can go to the spirit of God and say, Spirit of God, I pray. Lead me, guide me, show me. Not only that, let's say I go to pray and I, got, I can't get the words out. I go to pray and I can't even make the words into phrases. We're told the Spirit intercedes for us. He takes this mess inside of us that we can't even say out loud and brings it to the Father on our behalf. The Spirit dwells in us, knows us, and carries our true selves to the very throne of God. We can pray to the Father, we can pray to the Son, we can pray to the Spirit. This is the truth of the God we believe in. We believe in one God who exists eternally in three persons. One plus one plus one equals one. It's a great mystery. It's a great mystery. But it's been there since the beginning. In Genesis, when God makes humanity, God says, let us make man in our image. You see the Godhead talking to each other in eternal fellowship with one another. It's awesome. It's why we as people need each other. The God who made us is in perfect community, and he made us needing connection. Because a Trinitarian God created us, we need other people. We are not self-sufficient. We, we rely. We need each other to survive in this world. So this is something we believe as Christians. 
we believe God is one and three. I know it's deep water. I know it is. But this truth, we got to hold it fast so we don't lose our way. The Father is strong and mighty. He'll carry us through. The Son knows and understands, and the Spirit lives within and guides us day to day. Thanks be to God for his glorious gift of himself. As we end our time together, we're going to take communion. To the Father sent the Son. The Son came of his own accord, and the Spirit empowered the Son to give his life for us. On the night Christ was betrayed, Christ took bread and broke it. And he told his followers, until I return, you're going to do this thing. You're going to break bread to remember what I've done for you. So we break bread to remember that Jesus died. God died. That's impossible. God can't die, but God did die that we may live. We break the bread. Remember, God died that we may live. And we keep, on, we keep on taking the bread, drinking the cup. We do this waiting for when Christ will finally return. That is our hope, that Christ will someday come back and he'll deal with all of this nonsense. We wait for that day. So who can take? You don't got to be a member of Flint City to take. If you're here and you love Jesus, you may partake. It's an open table here. But if you're here and you don't know if you believe in God yet, don't take. If you're here, and maybe you and God are in a fight right now, maybe you're mad at him, maybe you, you skipped today, or while we're passing, you go ahead and pray and get your heart right so you can take, okay? But make sure your heart's right before you take of the bread and the wine, the bread and the juice, I should say. If you're online, you can go get some water and a corner of a bread we're in community together so i'm going to ask ushers to come forward i'm going to ask john to put some soft music on in the background as we pass as the elements are passed take a cup hold on to it we will all take together okay so take some time right now to pray to do some soul searching we're doing communion together
top off and get to the bread? On the night Christ was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Let us take. We open the purple now. Christ said, in the same way he took the cup, and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for the remission of sins. Let us take. Jesus, thank you for dying that we may live. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.